Treatise Two of On Friendship and On Old Age by Marcus Tullius Cicero. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Treatise Two On Old Age, Part Two. Fourteen. For myself, owing to the pleasure I take in conversation, I enjoy even banquets that begin early in the afternoon, and not only in company with my contemporaries, of whom very few survive but also with men of your age and with yourselves i am thankful to old age which has increased my avidity for conversation while it has removed that for eating and drinking but if any one does enjoy these not to seem to have proclaimed war against all pleasure without exception which is perhaps a feeling inspired by nature i fail to perceive even in these very pleasures that old age is entirely without the power of appreciation for myself i take delight even in the old-fashioned appointment of master of the feast and in the arrangement of the conversation which according to ancestral custom is begun from the last place on the left-hand couch when the wine is brought in as also in the cups which as in xenophon's banquet are small and filled by driblets and in the contrivance for cooling in summer and for warming by the winter sun or winter fire these things i keep up even among my sabine countrymen and every day have a full dinner-party of neighbours which we prolong as far into the night as we can with varied conversation but you may urge there is not the same tingling sensation of pleasure in old men no doubt but neither do they miss it so much for nothing gives you uneasiness which you do not miss that was a fine answer of sophocles to a man who asked him when in extreme old age whether he was still a lover heaven forbid he replied i was only too glad to escape from that as though from a boorish and insane master to men indeed who are keen after such things it may possibly appear disagreeable and uncomfortable to be without them but to jaded appetites it is pleasanter to lack than to enjoy however he cannot be said to lack who does not want my contention is that not to want is the pleasanter thing but even granting that youth enjoys these pleasures with more zest in the first place they are insignificant things to enjoy as i have said and in the second place such as age is not entirely without if it does not possess them in profusion just as a man gets greater pleasure from ambivious turpio if seated in the front row at the theatre than if he was in the last yet after all the man in the last row does get pleasure so youth because it looks at pleasures at closer quarters perhaps enjoys itself more yet even old age looking at them from a distance does enjoy itself well enough why what blessings are these that the soul having served its time so to speak in the campaigns of desire and ambition rivalry and hatred and all the passions should live in its own thoughts and as the expression goes should dwell apart indeed if it has in store any of what i may call the food of study and philosophy nothing can be pleasanter than an old age of leisure we were witnesses to see gallus a friend of your father's scipio intent to the day of his death on mapping out the sky and land how often did the light surprise him while still working out a problem begun during the night how often did night find him busy on what he had begun at dawn 
how he delighted in predicting for us solar and lunar eclipses long before they occurred or even in studies of a lighter nature though still requiring keenness of intellect what pleasure navius took in his punic war plautus in his truculentus and pseudolus i even saw livius andronicus who having produced a play six years before i was born in the consulship of cento and tudentus lived till i had become a young man why speak of publius licinius crassus devotion to pontifical and civil law or of the publius scipio of the present time who within these last few days has been created pontifex maximus and again i have seen all whom i have mentioned ardent in these pursuits when old men then there is marcus cethegus whom ennius justly called persuasion's marrow with what enthusiasm did we see him exert himself in oratory even when old what pleasures are there in feasts games or mistresses comparable to pleasures such as these and they are all tastes too connected with learning which in men of sense and good education grow with their growth it is indeed an honourable sentiment which solon expresses in a verse which i have quoted before that he grew old learning many a fresh lesson every day than that intellectual pleasure none certainly can be greater fifteen i come now to the pleasures of the farmer in which i take amazing delight these are not hindered by any extent of old age and seem to me to approach nearest to the ideal wise man's life for he has to deal with the earth which never refuses its obedience nor ever returns what it has received without usury sometimes indeed with less but generally with greater interest for my part however it is not merely the thing produced but the earth's own force and natural productiveness that delight me for received in its bosom the seed scattered broadcast upon it softened and broken up she first keeps it concealed therein hence the harrowing which accomplishes this gets its name from a word meaning to hide next when it has been warmed by her heat and close pressure she splits it open and draws from it the greenery of the blade this supported by the fibres of the root little by little grows up and held upright by its jointed stalk is enclosed in sheaths as being still immature when it has emerged from them it produces an ear of corn arranged in order and is defended against the pecking of the smaller birds by a regular palisade of spikes need i mention the starting planting and growth of vines i can never have too much of this pleasure to let you into the secret of what gives my old age repose and amusement for i say nothing here of the natural force which all things propagated from the earth possess the earth which from that tiny grain in a fig or the grape-stone in a grape or the most minute seeds of the other cereals and plants produces such huge trunks and boughs mallet shoots slips cuttings quicksets layers are they not enough to fill any one with delight and astonishment the vine by nature is apt to fall and unless supported draws down to the earth yet in order to keep itself upright it embraces whatever it reaches with its tendrils as though they were hands 
then as it creeps on spreading itself in intricate and wild profusion the dresser's art prunes it with the knife and prevents it growing a forest of shoots and expanding to excess in every direction accordingly at the beginning of spring in the shoots which have been left there protrudes at each of the joints what is termed an blank from this the grape emerges and shows itself which swollen by the juice of the earth and the heat of the sun is at first very bitter to the taste but afterwards grows sweet as it matures and being covered with tendrils is never without a moderate warmth and yet is able to ward off the fiery heat of the sun can anything be richer in product or more beautiful to contemplate it is not its utility only as i said before that charms me but the method of its cultivation and the natural process of its growth the rows of uprights the cross pieces for the tops of the plants the tying up of the vines and their propagation by layers the pruning to which i have already referred of some shoots the setting of others i need hardly mention irrigation or trenching and digging the soil which much increase its fertility as to the advantage of manuring i have spoken in my book on agriculture the learned hesiod did not say a single word on this subject though he was writing on the cultivation of the soil yet homer who in my opinion was many generations earlier represents laertes as softening his regret for his son by cultivating and manuring his farm nor is it only in cornfields and meadows and vineyards and plantations that a farmer's life is made cheerful there are the garden and the orchard the feeding of sheep the swarms of bees endless varieties of flowers nor is it only planting out that charms there is also grafting surely the most ingenious invention ever made by husbandmen sixteen i might continue my list of the delights of country life but even what i have said i think is somewhat overlong however you must pardon me for farming is a very favourite hobby of mine and old age is naturally rather garrulous for i would not be thought to acquit it of all faults well it was in a life of this sort that manius curius after celebrating triumphs over the samnites the sabines and the pyrrhus spent his last days when i look at his villa for it is not far from my own i never can enough admire the man's own frugality or the spirit of the age as curius was sitting at his hearth the samnites who brought him a large sum of gold were repulsed by him for it was not he said a fine thing in his eyes to possess gold but to rule those who possessed it could such a high spirit fail to make old age pleasant but to return to farmers not to wander from my own metier in those days there were senators i e old men on their farms for l quintius cincinnatus was actually at the plough when word was brought him that he had been named dictator it was by his order as dictator by the way that c servilius ahala the master of the horse seized and put to death spurius malius when attempting to obtain royal power curius as well as other old men used to receive their summonses to attend the senate in their farmhouses from which circumstance the summoners were called viatores or travellers was these men's old age an object of pity who found their pleasure in the cultivation of the land 
in my opinion scarcely any life can be more blessed not alone from its utility for agriculture is beneficial to the whole human race but also as much from the mere pleasure of the thing to which i have already alluded and from the rich abundance and supply of all things necessary for the food of man and for the worship of the gods above so as these are objects of desire to certain people let us make our peace with pleasure for the good and hard-working farmer's wine-cellar and oil-store as well as his larder are always well filled and his whole farmhouse is richly furnished it abounds in pigs goats lambs fowls milk cheese and honey then there is the garden which the farmers themselves call their second flitch a zest and flavor is added to all these by hunting and fowling in spare hours need i mention the greenery of meadows the rows of trees the beauty of vineyard and olive grove i will put it briefly nothing can either furnish necessaries more richly or present a fairer spectacle than well-cultivated land and to the enjoyment of that old age does not merely present no hindrance it actually invites and allures to it for where else can it better warm itself either by basking in the sun or by sitting by the fire or at the proper time cool itself more wholesomely by the help of shade or water let the young keep their arms then to themselves their horses spears their foils and ball their swimming baths and running path to us old men let them out of the many forms of sport leave dice and counters but even that as they choose since old age can be quite happy without them seventeen xenophon's books are very useful for many purposes pray go on reading them with attention as you have ever done in what ample terms is agriculture lauded by him in the book about husbanding one's property which is called oconomicus but to show you that he thought nothing so worthy of a prince as the taste for cultivating the soil i will translate what socrates says to critobulus in that book when that most gallant laodimanian lysander came to visit the persian prince cyrus at sardis so eminent for his character and the glory of his rule bringing him presents from his allies he treated lysander in all ways with courteous familiarity and kindness and among other things took him to see a certain park carefully planted lysander expressed admiration of the height of the trees and the exact arrangement of their rows in the kinkunks the careful cultivation of the soil its freedom from weeds and the sweetness of the odors exhaled from the flowers and went on to say that what he admired was not the industry only but also the skill of the man by whom this had been planted and laid out cyrus replied well it was i who planned the whole thing these rows are my doing the laying out is all mine many of the trees were even planted by my own hand then lysander looking at his purple robe the brilliance of his person and his adornment persian fashion with gold and many jewels said people are quite right cyrus to call you happy since the advantages of high fortune have been joined to an excellence like yours this kind of good fortune then it is in the power of old men to enjoy nor is age any bar to our maintaining pursuits of every other kind and especially of agriculture to the very extreme verge of old age 
for instance we have it on record that marcus valerius corvus kept it up to his hundredth year living on his land and cultivating it after his active career was over though between his first and sixth consulships there was an interval of six and forty years so that he had an official career lasting the number of years which our ancestors define as coming between birth and the beginning of old age moreover that last period of his old age was more blessed than that of his middle life inasmuch as he had greater influence and less labor for the crowning grace of old age is influence how great was that of l cecilius metellus how great that of attilius calactinus over whom the famous epitaph was placed very many classes agree in deeming this to have been the very first man of the nation the line cut on his tomb is well known it is natural then that a man should have had influence in whose praise the verdict of history is unanimous again in recent times what a great man was publius crassus pontifex maximus and his successor in the same office marcus lepidus i need scarcely mention paulus or africanus or as i did before maximus it was not only their senatorial utterances which had weight their least gesture had it also in fact old age especially when it has enjoyed honours has an influence worth all the pleasures of youth put together eighteen but throughout my discourse remember that my panegyric applies to an old age that has been established on foundations laid by youth from which may be deduced what i once said with universal applause that it was a wretched old age that had to defend itself by speech neither white hairs nor wrinkles can at once claim influence in themselves it is the honourable conduct of earlier days that is rewarded by possessing influence at the last even things generally regarded as trifling and matters of course being saluted being courted having way made for one people rising when one approaches being escorted to and from the forum being referred to for advice all these are marks of respect observed among us and in other states always most sedulously where the moral tone is highest they say that lysander the spartan whom i have mentioned before used to remark that sparta was the most dignified home for old age for that nowhere was more respect paid to years nowhere was old age held in higher honour nay the story is told of how when a man of advanced years came into the theatre at athens when the games were going on no place was given him anywhere in that large assembly by his own countrymen but when he came near the lacedaemonians who as ambassadors had a fixed place assigned to them they rose as one man out of respect for him and gave the veteran a seat when they were greeted with rounds of applause from the whole audience one of them remarked the athenians know what is right but will not do it there are many excellent rules in our augural college but among the best is one which affects our subject that precedence in speech goes by seniority and augurs who are older are preferred only to those who have held higher office but even to those who are actually in possession of imperium what then are the physical pleasures to be compared with the reward of influence those who have employed it with distinction appear to me to have played the drama of life to its end and not to have broken down in the last act like unpractised players 
but it will be said old men are fretful fidgety ill-tempered and disagreeable if you come to that they are also avaricious but these are faults of character not of the time of life and after all fretfulness and the other faults i mentioned admit of some excuse not indeed a complete one but one that may possibly pass muster they think themselves neglected looked down upon mocked besides with bodily weakness every rub is a source of pain yet all these faults are softened both by good character and good education illustrations of this may be found in real life as also on the stage in the case of the brothers in the adelphi what harshness in the one what gracious manners in the other the fact is that just as it is not every wine so it is not every life that turns sour from keeping serious gravity i approve of in old age but as in other things it must be within due limits bitterness i can in no case approve what the object of senile avarice may be i cannot conceive for can there be anything more absurd than to seek more journey money the less there remains of the journey nineteen there remains the fourth reason which more than anything else appears to torment men of my age and keep them in a flutter the nearness of death which it must be allowed cannot be far from an old man but what a poor dotard must he be who has not learnt in the course of so long a life that death is not a thing to be feared death that is either to be totally disregarded if it entirely extinguishes the soul or is even to be desired if it brings him where he is to exist for ever a third alternative at any rate cannot possibly be discovered why then should i be afraid if i am destined either not to be miserable after death or even to be happy after all who is such a fool as to feel certain however young he may be that he will be alive in the evening nay that time of life has many more chances of death than ours young men more easily contract diseases their illnesses are more serious their treatment has to be more severe accordingly only a few arrive at old age if that were not so life would be conducted better and more wisely for it is in old men that thought reason and prudence are to be found and if there had been no old men states would never have existed at all but i return to the subject of the eminence of death what sort of charge is this against old age when you see that it is shared by youth i had reason in the case of my excellent son as you had scipio in that of your brothers who were expected to attain the highest honours to realize that death is common to every time of life yes you will say but a young man expects to live long an old man cannot expect to do so well he is a fool to expect it for what can be more foolish than to regard the uncertain as certain the false as true an old man has nothing even to hope ah but it is just there that he is in a better position than a young man since what the latter only hopes he has obtained the one wishes to live long the other has lived long and yet good heaven what is long in a man's life for grant the utmost limit let us expect an age like that of the king of the tartessi for there was as i find recorded a certain agathonius at gedes who reigned eighty years and lived a hundred and twenty but to my mind nothing seems even long in which there is any last 
for when that arrives then all the past has slipped away only that remains to which you have attained by virtue and righteous actions hours indeed and days and months and years depart nor does past time ever return nor can the future be known whatever time each is granted for life with that he is bound to be content an actor in order to earn approval is not bound to perform the play from beginning to end let him only satisfy the audience in whatever act he appears nor indeed a wise man go on to the concluding plaudite for a short term of life is long enough for living well and honourably but if you go farther you have no more right to grumble than farmers do because the charm of the spring season is past and the summer and autumn have come for the word spring in a way suggests youth and points to the harvest to be the other seasons are suited for the reaping and storing of the crops now the harvest of old age is as i have often said the memory and rich store of blessings laid up in easier life again all things that accord with nature are to be counted as good but what can be more in accordance with nature than for old men to die a thing indeed which also beliefs young men though nature revolts and fights against it accordingly the death of a young man seems to me like putting out a great fire with a deluge of water but old men die like a fire going out because it is burnt down of its own nature without artificial means again just as apples when unripe are torn from trees but when ripe and mellow drop down so it is violence that takes life from young men ripeness from old this ripeness is so delightful to me that as i approach nearer to death i seem as it were to be sighting land and to be coming to port at last after a long voyage twenty again there is no fixed border-line for old age and you are making a good and proper use of it as long as you can satisfy the call of duty and disregard death the result of this is that old age is even more confident and courageous than youth that is the meaning of solon's answer to the tyrant pisistratus when the latter asked him what he relied upon in opposing him with such boldness he is said to have replied on my old age but that end of life is the best when without the intellect or senses being impaired nature herself takes to pieces her own handiwork which she also put together just as the builder of a ship or a house can break them up more easily than any one else so the nature that knit together the human frame can also best unfasten it moreover a thing freshly glued together is always difficult to pull asunder if old this is easily done the result is that the short time of life left to them is not to be grasped at by old men with greedy eagerness or abandoned without cause pythagoras forbids us without an order from our commander that is god to desert life's fortress and outpost solon's epitaph indeed is that of a wise man in which he says that he does not wish his death to be unaccompanied by the sorrow and lamentations of his friends he wants i suppose to be beloved by them but i rather think ennius says better none grace me with their tears nor weeping loud makes sad my funeral rites he holds that a death is not a subject for mourning when it is followed by immortality again there may possibly be some sensation of dying and that only for a short time 
especially in the case of an old man after death indeed sensation is either what one would desire or it disappears altogether but to disregard death is a lesson which must be studied from our youth up for unless that is learnt no one can have a quiet mind for die we certainly must and that too without being certain whether it may not be this very day as death therefore is hanging over our head every hour how can a man ever be unshaken in soul if he fears it but on this theme i don't think i need much enlarge when i remember what lucius brutus did who was killed while defending his country or the two Decii who spurred their horses to a gallop and met a voluntary death, or Marcus Atilius Regulus, who left his home to confront a death of torture, rather than break the word which he had pledged to the enemy, or the two Scipios, who determined to block the Carthaginian advance, even with their own bodies, or your grandfather, Lucius Paulus, who paid with his life for the rashness of his colleague in the disgrace at Cannae, or marcus marcellus whose death not even the most bloodthirsty of enemies would allow to go without the honour of burial it is enough to recall that our legions as i have recorded in my origins have often marched with cheerful and lofty spirit to ground from which they believed they would never return that therefore which young men not only uninstructed but absolutely ignorant treat as of no account shall men who are neither young nor ignorant shrink from in terror as a general truth as it seems to me it is weariness of all pursuits that creates weariness of life there are certain pursuits adapted to childhood do young men miss them there are others suited to early manhood does that settled time of life called middle age ask for them there are others again suited to that age but not looked for in old age there are finally some which belong to old age therefore as the pursuits of the earlier ages have their time for disappearing so also have those of old age and when that takes place a satiety of life brings on the ripe time for death twenty one for i do not see why i should not venture to tell you my personal opinion as to death of which i seem to myself to have a clearer vision in proportion as i am nearer to it i believe scipio and laelius that your fathers those illustrious men and my dearest friends are still alive and that too with a life which alone deserves the name for as long as we are imprisoned in this framework of the body we perform a certain function and laborious work assigned us by fate the soul in fact is of heavenly origin forced down from its home in the highest and so to speak buried in earth a place quite opposed to its divine nature and its immortality but i suppose the immortal gods to have sown souls broadcast in human bodies that there might be some to survey the world and while contemplating the order of the heavenly bodies to imitate it in the unvarying regularity of their life nor is it only reason and arguments that have brought me to this belief but the great fame and authority of the most distinguished philosophers i used to be told that pythagoras and the pythagoreans almost natives of our country who in old times had been called the italian school of philosophers never doubted that we had souls drafted from the universal divine intelligence 
i used besides to have pointed out to me the discourse delivered by socrates on the last day of his life upon the immortality of the soul socrates who was pronounced by the oracle at delphi to be the wisest of men i need say no more i have convinced myself and i hold in view of the rapid movement of the soul its vivid memory of the past and its prophetic knowledge of the future its many accomplishments its vast range of knowledge its numerous discoveries that a nature embracing such varied gifts cannot itself be mortal and since the soul is always in motion and yet has no external source of motion for it is self-moved i conclude that it will also have no end to its motion because it is not likely ever to abandon itself again since the nature of the soul is not composite nor has in it any admixture that is not homogeneous and similar i conclude that it is indivisible and if indivisible that it cannot perish it is again a strong proof of men knowing most things before birth that when mere children they grasp innumerable facts with such speed as to show that they are not then taking them in for the first time but remembering and recalling them this is roughly plato's argument twenty two once more in xenophon we have the elder cyrus on his deathbed speaking as follows do not suppose my dearest sons that when i have left you i shall be nowhere and no one even when i was with you you did not see my soul but knew that it was in this body of mine from what i did believe then that it is still the same even though you see it not the honors paid to illustrious men had not continued to exist after their death had the souls of these very men not done something to make us retain our recollection of them beyond the ordinary time for myself i never could be persuaded that souls while in mortal bodies were alive and died directly they left them nor in fact that the soul only lost all intelligence when it left the unintelligent body i believe rather that when by being liberated from all corporeal admixture it has begun to be pure and undefiled it is then that it becomes wise and again when men's natural frame is resolved into its elements by death it is clearly seen whither each of the other elements departs for they all go to the place from which they came but the soul alone is invisible alike when present and when departing once more you see that nothing is so like death as sleep and yet it is in sleepers that souls most clearly reveal their divine nature for they foresee many events when they are allowed to escape and are left free this shows what they are likely to be when they have completely freed themselves from the fetters of the body wherefore if these things are so obey me as a god but if my soul is to perish with my body nevertheless do you from awe of the gods who guard and govern this fair universe preserve my memory by the loyalty and piety of your lives twenty three such are the words of the dying cyrus i will now with your good leave look at home 
no one my dear scipio shall ever persuade me that your father paulus and your two grandfathers paulus and africanus or the father of africanus or his uncle or many other illustrious men not necessary to mention would have attempted such lofty deeds as to be remaindered by posterity had they not seen in their minds that future ages concerned them do you suppose to take an old man's privilege of a little self-praise that i should have been likely to undertake such heavy labours by day and night at home and abroad if i had been destined to have the same limit to my glory as to my life had it not been much better to pass an age of ease and repose without any labour or exertion but my soul i know not how refusing to be kept down ever fixed its eyes upon future ages as though from a conviction that it would begin to live only when it had left the body but had it not been the case that souls were immortal it would not have been the souls of all the best men that made the greatest efforts after an immortality of fame again is there not the fact that the wisest man ever dies with the greatest cheerfulness the most unwise with the least don't you think that the soul which has the clearer and longer sight sees that it is starting for better things while the soul whose vision is dimmer does not see it for my part i am transported with a desire to see your fathers who were the object of my reverence and affection nor is it only those whom i knew that i longed to see it is those also of whom i have been told and have read whom i have myself recorded in my history when i am setting out for that there is certainly no one who will find it easy to draw me back or boil me up again like second peleus nay if some god should grant me to renew my childhood from my present age and once more to be crying in my cradle i would firmly refuse nor would i in truth be willing after having as it were run the full course to be recalled from the winning crease to the barriers for what blessing has life to offer should we not rather say what labour but granting that it has at any rate it has after all a limit either to enjoyment or to existence i don't wish to depreciate life as many men and good philosophers have often done nor do i regret having lived for i have done so in a way that lets me think that i was not born in vain but i quit life as i would an end not as i would a home for nature has given us a place of entertainment not of residence o glorious day when i shall set out to join that heavenly conclave and company of souls and depart from the turmoil and impurities of this world for i shall not go to join only those whom i have before mentioned but also my son cato than whom no better man was ever born nor one more conspicuous for piety his body was burnt by me though mine ought on the contrary to have been burnt by him but his spirit not abandoning but ever looking back upon me has certainly gone whither he saw that i too must come i was thought to bear that loss heroically not that i really bore it without distress but i found my own consolation in the thought that the parting and separation between us was not to be for long 
it is by these means my dear scipio for you said that you and laelius were wont to express surprise on this point that my old age sits lightly on me and is not only not oppressive but even delightful but if i am wrong in thinking the human soul immortal i am glad to be wrong nor will i allow the mistake which gives me so much pleasure to be wrested from me as long as i live but if when dead as some insignificant philosophers think i am to be without sensation i am not afraid of dead philosophers deriding my errors again if we are not to be immortal it is nevertheless what a man must wish to have his life end at its proper time for nature puts a limit to living as to everything else now old age is as it were the playing out of the drama the full fatigue of which we should shun especially when we also feel that we have had more than enough of it this is all i had to say on old age i pray that you may arrive at it that you may put my words to a practical test end of treatise two part two end of on friendship and on old age by marcus tullius cicero translated by e s shuckburg